Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. Good evening, my fellow lovers of love. Thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through, well, man, I forget what it even is now. See, she got me all distracted. She wanted bullet points. So there you go. Get bullet point points. We're discussing Kwanzaa tonight. <laughs> and, and, I was and then, being goofy. <laughs> yeah, well, you went goofy right before the start of the show. You never know what you're going to get when that happens. Anyway, tonight, my friends, we're discussing Kwanzaa, the first half part of the show. We're discussing Kwanzaa. Yes. And uh, if you're like me, you know almost nothing about it. And so this should be a learning experience for all of us. So that would see how that goes. Um, so we'll discuss the holiday, you know, the African heritage, culture values, all the uh, principles and some of the symbols and meanings of Kwanzaa. And I will surely butcher some... Uh, some of the names and yeah we're sorry and that's i will too that's just what happens just don't never travel with me because the harder i try the worse it gets he's not kidding <laughs> it just is and then again we, it, it is horrifying yeah it's, i'm better off just being a, a goof stupid tourist tourist it's less embarrassing it, it really is so anyway so that's what we're we've got on tonight we're talking about 20 or so facts you know, how many people celebrate Kwanzaa? You know, we'll talk about the seven principles. I'm sure there's more, but seven basic principles from your dictionary. And uh, ideas for the entire family. You know, a few things you can do if you are, are uh, interested in celebrating or just want to find out more about it. Some things you can do yes. to, help to participate. All right, Milabi. So what do we got? Well, first, we're going to talk about some facts about Kwanzaa because we know little to nothing. Kwanzaa was founded in 1966 by Dr. Okay, here I go. Mawalana Karanga. Okay. Yeah. He was a professor and a cultural activist. Okay, so 1966. And it was inspired by numerous African harvest celebrations. So like many celebrations, but, but the you know, over the years, the ones that stick is they combine, you know, yeah. smaller celebrations into one larger one that encompasses, that's inclusive of uh, many small cultures and cultures and principles, but that they share, you know, they, they share some common principles. And so, you know, that's what these celebrations become, the sharing of common principles. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, Kwanzaa is anchored by seven principles known as, I'm just going to spell this, N-G-U-Z-O, Saba. And we will talk about those later on in the show. We and, will go into detail. And, you know, for our African listeners out there, because um, we do have many. We do. And we do really apologize our inability to say these names. We're just Californians. It's, 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 we're sorry. We're trying. We, and the harder, like I said, the harder I try. If I was going to pronounce that, I would make it a silent G. Nuzo Saba. Okay, yeah. I would think from what little education I have of African languages. I have nothing. So that's. that's the G is silent. Okay. I don't know if the G is silent or not. Okay, but. And Kwanzaa arrived from the Swahili phrase, Matunda Ya Kwanzaa. Okay. So, the seven candles. Oh, it yeah, translates to first fruits. Where are we at? I'm lost already. Okay. Okay, so where are we at? Oh, 
The primary symbols of Kwanzaa are the seven candles. That's number three. I missed. I'm sorry. Something happened to my screen. I'm off one. You should probably use your tablet for, for this. It's, it'd be better. All right. The Mishus. Oh, I'm not going to try. Mishama? It's the seven candles. It's the seven candles. Kwanzaa is celebrated between December 26th and January 1st. That's the period of time I say is the time of reflection. That's my personal, that's what I fear is the time of reflection. But I'm, you know, Northern European background, so. And I already discussed number five, the name of the meaning of the name Kwanzaa, first fruits. Uh, Kwanzaa originated in the United States, but it is now celebrated by millions worldwide. Well, that's kind of cool. Well, because it again, it took many small traditions and and, and principles and unified them, and so that's a uh, those kind of things don't really matter where they start exactly. It's because the heritage starts back somewhere else. It does. It came before, yeah. Yeah, just like, like you know, the Western Christmas. It's no longer a religious holiday. It includes the religious holiday for those who want to use it for that. Yes. But it also includes the secular holiday, <laughs> holiday of Christmas. It's the same yes. thing. They're, it's different, but the same thing. But it's the unified, the shared, um, the shared culture, the shared values that symbolizes so it's the same thing it doesn't surprise me that that's something that's tries to unite all these smaller cultures has some success okay yes so apparently joyous kwanzaa is is a common kwanzaa greeting so if you know someone celebrating kwanzaa oh, so you i'm gonna have to go joyous Kwanzaa. I should have done more research before I wrote the post, and I would have ended. I'm gonna to have to go back and change that. Well, to me, to, to be fair, I had the AI write it. So, so I'll, I'll change that to joyous Kwanzaa to be respectful. Okay. In response, you're supposed you're supposed to ask the question, "What's the news?" Okay. But try and give good news. That'd be my suggestion. <laughs> Someone says joyous Kwanzaa. Yeah, don't reply with bad news. You know. Really, keep it light, people. You know, you know. Now know your audience. If it's your best friend, maybe you can tell them. You know, difference. And uh, I'm just saying, spirit of the season, keep it light. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's a special cup called the Unity Cup. And it's used during the Karamu feast to perform the libation ritual. It's passed from hand to hand. And it's, uh, though thought often to be so, Kwanzaa is not a religious or a political holiday. It's a cultural holiday. It's a holiday that celebrates the, the commonalities between cultures. And so try you know, an attempt to be more unified. That is a, even I know that. <laughs> okay, so number 10, uh, the Karamu feast held on the sixth day of Kwanzaa is a joyous occasion. So it's the six days feast, a six days feast. So I guess it'd be like um, Christmas dinner or Christmas Eve dinner, depending upon. Yeah. So when you get down with your friends and family and you celebrate, you know, storytelling and laughter. Yeah, I th that would be. Share food together, yes. Actually, maybe more like a Christmas Eve dinner where it's more friends and community members than just strictly family. So, or maybe New Year's Eve dinner or something like that. Anyway, no, New Year's Eve is too much of a party. <sighs> okay. So, where are we at now? We've got Kwanzaa has been recognized by nations, cultural institutions, and leaders. Celebrations include dancing, music, poetry, festivals, reading. Oh, feasting. 
I can read poetry readings and and a, and a big food and some food. And I suppose a festival probably is another question too. Typical Kwanzaa foods include corn, yams, avocado, dates, beans, greens, rice, and okra dishes. And my guess is the the dishes are very localized as well. You know, every local area has their their dishes that they bring in based upon, you know, especially in the poorer parts of the world, based upon what's available yes. at the time. So, And remember, this is supposed to be first fruit. Yes. Well, it, I suppose it would be. It would be in, in Africa. Yeah, the first, the first harvest, the first fruit harvest in Africa. Yeah, I suppose so. Mm -hmm. Okay. During Kwanzaa, children often receive one gift related to cultural knowledge growth. So rather than abundance of gifts, you get one gift that is educational on, you know, for cultural enrichment. You know, a book or, or something that has some connection. Yes. To, you know, maybe a... Maybe your, a game. Maybe a game, maybe, you know, a, a sweater or something from the original tribe or something of that nature. Yeah. yeah. Symbolism. Kwanzaa ceremonies were held in, in college campuses in black churches. Initially. Initially, which makes sense. You know, when these things start, that's where they generally start. Right? These type of movements, they start in the in the religious institutions. And I know many people aren't going to like this, but schools are have a religious bent to them. It's not strictly religious, but treat, people treat them like their church. Even after you leave, they give money. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And you walk around, they put stickers on their car. Uh, they have this, this school pride that extends well beyond. So many people will be like, like a church. But also it's where their people are young and you can get them with some new ideas rather than trying to shove a new idea into some old, you know, grouchy man like me. It's... <laughs> Some angry young young teenagers, a little easier to, to talk to in, in that sense. Get a new idea. It's a good strategy. Okay. During Kwanzaa ceremonies, objects are often placed reverently, reverently rather than tossed. So, you know, you're just careful with your movements. I'm deliberate, I would say. Yeah. Well, it's a ceremony. Yeah. Mindfulness. You know, lots of musicians having have performed at Kwanzaa ceremonies. Stevie Wonder is among them, which is just because that's what I see the picture. Smokey Robinson, Chuck Berry, you know, iconic figures helped it grow. Maya Angelou, to a man who knew power and peace, was commissioned for the first Kwanzaa celebration in 1968. Kwanzaa is a beloved way for many people to come together and strengthen their bonds, which is, again, the whole point with kind of the theme that we have run through all of these things, right? Well, from, that's been our theme this month. First we did Hanukkah, now we're doing Kwanzaa, Christmas is next. Yeah, and so, but these celebrations, it's you bring, you highlight, instead of highlighting our differences, is what happens throughout the rest of the year, we take the time. We're trying. To remember, not just us, I'm talking about us as a people, ah. as, as a human race, not us ah, as ah, individuals. Ah, ah. Sorry, the royal we, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> the royal we. It's, you know, it's this time of year we take our time to reflect and, and you know, Think about those things that unite us rather than those things that divide us. You know, the sore thumb theory. You know, it's easy to notice the sore thumb. It takes takes actual effort to notice that, you know, your thumb doesn't hurt. And that's what we're taking time to, we as a culture, as a people, in our own unique ways, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa, like we're talking about tonight, we all take our own, own ways to celebrate that. And again, to wrap it up, Kwanzaa honors the contributions and sacrifices of African ancestors. You know, and life was hard. I mean, we all think life is hard today. <laughs> Go back hundreds, you know, thousands of years. And, and quite frankly, we have it easy, folks. 
and uh, you know, being appreciative of the suffering that those who've come before, so we know, so we can complain about you know modern day problems. I think is a yeah, it's a good thing to do this time of year, regardless of your celebratory. I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Heritage. Sure. Okay, so what's next? <laughs> well, um, the question is, how many Americans celebrate Kwanzaa? Um, in 2009, it was estimated 500,000 to 200, American, 200 2 million Americans celebrated Kwanzaa. In 2012, a study from the public policy polling found that 4% of participants said they primarily celebrate Kwanzaa during the holiday season, which actually is more than Hanukkah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's hard to put a finger on. Right? I mean, it's easier to... to because for Jewish to figure out how many people celebrate Hanukkah, because essentially you can just count the Jewish people and and figure ninety percent of those are going to celebrate Hanukkah, and you know there you got a pretty good rough estimate, but you don't have that same kind of estimation tool for Kwanzaa because there's many ways people can privately celebrate it. You can just celebrate it quietly by yourself and your family, and no one really knows. And how do you get counted? So you're, you're estimating. But it wouldn't surprise me. In 2012, they estimated something about uh, 4% considered. So it's 12.5 12, million. It wouldn't surprise me if 20 million people, 20, 25 million people in the United States celebrated Kwanzaa in some form, maybe even a little more. If you're talking about, you know, people who go to a Kwanzaa event just to check it out. Uh-huh. To see what it's about or to support their friend, you know, you know, hey, you invited me, so I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> you know, that's kind of a thing. It wouldn't surprise me if that number got up to 50, 60 million. If you talk about how many people touch it in some form or way, which is a big cultural impact, even if it's not people aren't don't celebrate, celebrate it. You know, it can still have a larger cultural impact than just those who celebrate it. And so I think, you know, and it's worldwide now. So I think that's a. a That's you know, an important thing. It's a sign of growth, and growth is always important for these kind of things. Okay, so let's discuss the seven principles of Kwanzaa. Okay. Number one is unity. On the first day, they, they focus on the principle of umoja, and that is kind of spelled out for me So in this article. So... Thank goodness. I'm not going to butcher this. <laughs> okay. And it impor- emphasizes the importance of unity in all areas, including family, community, nation, and race. Okay. And they light the center black candle on day one. Okay. And the next one is, oh, my Lord. No, you're going to have to get that one. Because you're, you're Af- you've had one with the African uh, audience, so you can okay. Here we go. Kuji Chagolia, which is self determination, and it's focused on building your identity and as as a person and community, both historically and the present day, by asking the question, "Who am I?" and also, "Am I all?" That I ought to be. Hey, I can do number three. I'll do number three. Okay, wait a minute. Then you write the the first red candle to the immediate left of the black candle. Okay. So, so for uh, those of us who can't relate, it's something like the menorah, but the, yeah, something. But the you know the, the specifics are different, but you can relate to it that way. Okay, so the next one is Ujima. Ha, huh, I can pronounce it because it, yeah, it's one I can, even my tongue can pronounce. Focus on the collective responsibilities 
for both achievements and setbacks in the community. That's, you know, it's celebrate the buildup of people rather than, you know, their mistakes, but you have to accept responsibility before, you know, before you can, you know, build yourself back up. And so, so another one, which is awfully close to this, this last one. There's the third day is the green candle. Okay. On the third day, you light the first green candle to the immediate right of the black candle. For those that are following along, keeping score. Yeah. Yeah. So at number four is Ujama, the principle of cooperative economics. It's, you know, you pull your resources to benefit your communities. And it focuses on... Um a concerted effort to pull resources um, to benefit black communities and neighborhoods. And on the fourth day, you light the second red candle. Number five is Ni'a, which means purpose. Ni. Nia can refer to being proactive in setting your own personal goals, but it thinks, but also encourages you to think outward and look at goals that can benefit the larger community. And you light the second green candle on the fifth day. Okay. And so number six you have? Kumba. 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 The principle of creativity. This can refer to individual creativity, but focus on bringing beauty into your community through whatever creativity you can, right? Wherever your creativity lies, you know, share that with the world around you, make your community a better place. And you light the last red candle. And on January 1st, the final day of Kwanzaa. You light the last green candle. And you celebrate Imani, which means translate to faith. And remember, Kwanzaa is a non-religious celebration, but faith here refers to family and community traditions as your spiritual center. So it, it so you can have a spirit, you can as an individual can have it can include your spirituality in that, but it doesn't have to include that. It's just your community. Well, it sounds like a spiritual holiday, but it's not religious. Yes. Yeah. It's just personal spirituality rather than a... It's a large focus on the community. Yeah, through your personal spiritual... Yes. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's a fine line. Through your own efforts, definitely there's an effort in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, all right. And so as we wrap up this segment, we've got how to celebrate Kwanzaa. All right? Okay, so what do we got now? You can light the candles. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can volunteer at the, as a family in, a, in the community. You can do Kwanzaa-themed arts and crafts. Um, you can attend a local or virtual event. And you can support black-owned businesses. Okay. So, actually, those festivals, you know, festivals or events, if you're someone who is sitting outside of Kwanzaa and just are interested in finding more about it, you know, those events are where you can go. Those are the places where you can go and you can observe and and talk to people and without a uh, without so much judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, without having to worry about asking your friend awkward questions, you can just go, or you can just ask your friend some awkward questions. You know, they're probably willing to answer them. That's what your friends are for. You may laugh at you, but that's all right. That's what your friends are for. 
<laughs> you know, they'll laugh at you while they do it, but you know, it's all right. It's as long as you're making an honest effort to learn. I think most people are accepting of your ignorance because you know, ignorance can be solved. Now, on December 31st, mm-hmm. um, African American community and cultural centers often host. Kwanzaa celebrations and the feast, Karamus. That's the second to last night of Kwanzaa. Okay. All right, and then you know, if you're in, if you have the opportunity, you can uh, go to black-owned businesses. You know, go to the area of your town. And shop in the, those businesses that are, you know, need customers. Every business needs customers. So go to those areas of town and you know, find the black-owned businesses. And buy something. Buy a candle. There you go. Well, you know, maybe they have a service. Maybe they're, Maybe you need uh, website design. You know, reach outside your your normal networking circle to find somebody. You know, small things like that can go a long way. And you might have some talent. Someone might have a perspective that you have that you wouldn't have known otherwise. I give you a perspective on something that you wouldn't otherwise seen. So, you know, that's the importance when we talk about diversity. It's the diversity of perspective and breaking outside of your network and extending that. Because by extending your network, you're also extending somebody else's. And between those two combinations, you know, all communities can grow and thrive. So it's not just when you support, you know, black-owned businesses, you're not just helping them thrive. You're helping all communities thrive. You're extending networking. And networking is how communities thrive and educate themselves and, and evolve. It's the only way it happens. If you don't network, you don't evolve. And if you don't reach outside your network, then you don't evolve either. Okay. So that was our dive through um, through Kwanzaa. And so uh, have a joyous Kwanzaa for those who, who participate. Yes. We wish you a joyous Kwanzaa. And uh, spread the news. I'll change that a little bit. <laughs> I'll change the response a little bit. All right. So questions. We've got questions. We're going to dive into Reddit questions this week. What do we have from Reddit this week, my love? Well, we're going to start with relationships. Okay. All right. I, 31 male, had an emotional affair, and my wife, 33 female, found out today. What happens now? Marriage counseling, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. She may decide that um, she's done. And, you know, a lot of it has to decide. Maybe you were already done. Maybe that's why you were looking for an emotional replacement. You know, maybe your marriage has deeper problems than your emotional affair. The fact that you were feeling the need for an emotional replacement. Where does that come from? You know, so there's some self-reflection between both of you, maybe. On the plus side, you haven't done anything irreparable, quite frankly. That one can be dealt with a lot easier than if you'd gone a step further. Yes. So, if that's in the cards. So, you know, some self-reflection on both your parts. Why did you put yourself in that position why did you feel the need to have an emotional affair why were you feeling disconnected from your wife in the first place and you know how do you repair that and you repair that and then you can ultimately you know repair the damage from the emotional repair because the emotional affair is a symptom it's it's not really the problem it's just it's going to force you to deal with the symptom and they've the problem and the symptom at the same time, and that's going to be difficult, but not impossible, not impossible. You know, 
going to be some work on both of you because my guess is it wasn't a healthy relationship before. Maybe they're busy. Maybe, you know, stress and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't in a good spot for that to happen in the first place. Yeah. So work on that. Work on yourselves and see what happens. Okay, what's next? My boyfriend is on a boys' trip, but I found out there's two girls on this trip too. Okay, she wants to know why he didn't tell her. Okay, well, let's. He may not have actually known, depending upon who the girls are. If they're the girlfriends of a couple of his other friends, they may have wanted to come last minute, and they said fine, and they never told them. Or he was afraid of her reaction, and he's stupid. He was afraid if he'd have told her, she was going to say no. And so they didn't. Whether that's a logical thing or not is... Well, bottom line, he wanted to go on a trip without her. Well, yes. People want to go on trips and do things, especially when you're relatively young. You still want to go off and do the same things you were doing with your friends last year. (laughs) You know? And my guess is... These, these these two girls are, you know, the girlfriends of two of his friends. They wanted to come last minute, and either they didn't know or they didn't want to deal with the argument that would ensue. And so they didn't, and now they've got a whole different argument. If you want the explanation. I mean, they're 25 and stupid. That's the, the real explanation. So... 25. <laughs> <laughs> They're not smart yet. That's because <laughs> you know, you have to do dumb things before you find out, oh, that's dumb. And so <laughs> <laughs> I should have handled that differently, shouldn't I? Yeah. You're going to next time, aren't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so that's my guess. But, you know, how much you want to worry about it is, is you know, how much do you want to worry about it? Are you worried about are you worried about something or are you just worried that they didn't tell you? And on that kind of, they may not have known because you know how men communicate. Are we going on the trip? Yeah, we're going. And next thing you know, you've got their girlfriends are there and you find out the night before, and what are you gonna do? You gonna not go? And if you tell her, which she found out, so maybe she found out, somebody tell her, they told her, uh, they just told her at the last minute because it's probably when they found out. <laughs> so without knowing more details, I, I tend to want to give them the benefit of the doubt because minute 25 are stupid, but minute 25 are stupid, so it could be the other way, I suppose. But my guess is it's the couple girlfriends of the guys who are, yeah. yeah they're a little more controlling or more jealous and so they just want to go they're going to find out that they're really stupid they just drink and fart and shoot guns or whatever they're doing and yeah they're going to regret going but that's their own problem <laughs> yeah it's just a boys trip they they really just go off there and do stupid things all right it's like teenagers. You just let them go off and like firecrackers. You just set them off and hope it's gets boring. Hurt. Let them go. Yeah, it's boring to you. All right. So what's next? I, uh, twenty-five female, feel like my wife's twenty-five female mother and roommate. Should I even keep trying? You're in a rush, patch, babe. You know you need to go to counseling so you can reconnect and work on some of your issues. And you're going to have to change your behavior, I'm sorry to say. Stop being mommy. Yeah, it's there will be times where you're going to feel like a roommate, right? You're just going to go through periods. You are. You're going to go through periods. If you're in for the long haul, this is going to happen. But it's temporary. Yeah, it's temporary. It's the mother thing. And the question is, are you feeling like the mother because you have to be feeling like the mother? Or are you, you know, it's, it's sometimes people put themselves in that position rather than that position being imposed on them. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's some reflection because maybe they are, you know, maybe they are taking advantage in a sense and you're being a mother to them. 
Or maybe you're just kind of feeling like you're being a mother to them just because you're acting like a mother to them and you just need to knock it off. <laughs> you know, and that, might, and that yeah. might be causing the, the fact that you're acting like a mother may be causing that other roommate feeling. Ooh. Right? There could be some cause and effect there. Mm-hmm. Or the other person's immature and or is going through a spot of depression. And, you know, there's a couple other potential causes. But, you know, I always want to remind people to look in the mirror while you're examining these things. Take a good hard look because you could always be part of the problem. And it's very hard to do. You know, I don't want to throw stones because I don't know. You know, that whole mothering thing can go either way, right? It, it's, it can be cause and effect or effect and cause. So, <laughs> so I'm just saying, examine in the mirror before you, because it can be accidental. It's not like some purposeful thing. You just you get into the habit, and now you're in the habit. To be doing what your mother did, without really knowing it. Isn't that a pretty picture? <laughs> Well, for some, maybe not. I'm just saying. But, you know, should you keep trying? Take a look in the mirror. See what role you are or aren't playing. And be honest with yourself. That would be my first suggestion. And then second suggestion is, you know, look for signs of depression and that kind of thing. But the mothering thing you can is... I think you can just stop doing and see where that goes. See how easy it is for you to stop doing the mothering thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. My guess is that's going to be harder than she thinks. Okay. Okay. How do I make my t- 23 male boyfriend feel like he's a good boyfriend? 21 female. Apparently, She's dropped dead gorgeous, just stunning. Uh-huh. And he's just an average guy, but he's a sweetheart and she loves him. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're he- never going to. Okay. First, you're never going to. That the, 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 that little bit of insecurity is always going to be with him. It just is. He knows. I, look, I've landed a fish that's bigger than I could realistically reel in. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he's being honest with himself, which is part of why you love him. Right, because he's honest with himself, and you can trust a man who's honest with himself. So, but you're never going to, you know, you're never going to convince him that he's a good boyfriend. Just treat him like a good boyfriend. It's in a sense, it's the same way as anything. Someone doesn't feel like you know, just treat him the way you you want to treat him. Things will work themselves out. You've got the easy problem, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> you know, just keep loving him and he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll be all right. <laughs> you know, he might be a little insecure at times. And, that's, you know, 23, he'll grow out of some of that as long as you keep loving him. You can make a joke out of it. Actually, men respond well to running jokes. You know, you know, whenever he's feeling insecure. Yeah, but yet somehow I love your stinking ass anyway. You know, <laughs> oops. <laughs> you know, I, but yet I love you anyway. It's strange how that works. Just keep reminding him you love him, and that's all you can do. That'll eventually burn through his head, and he'll eventually mature, <laughs> and it'll all work itself out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On to parenting. What do we got now? Have you used a babysitter on vacation? God, I wish I could have afforded vacations when I had kids to use. I did once. And she was a baby. We were in a hotel room. We went down for dinner. She was a nurse. I got her from a an agency. And she basically just sat there and read and was there for an emergency. The baby slept through the whole time, so. Well, I mean, our vacations were 
like camping up in Tahoe, which wasn't really camping. And you might use your grand grandma or sister or something to watch the kids when you went to the casino for two hours or something like that, or um, for a hike or something. But that's the kind of babysitting I would use. Free family yeah, that works. <laughs> so we could afford. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, can't read that. All right. It said Kwanzaa isn't real. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, nothing is. So, um, okay. What's next? Appropriate gift from Santa for a four-year-old. Appropriate gift. Because this poor person wasn't allowed to celebrate Christmas. So he has no idea what to buy his son. Just buy him a toy he would like. You know, check the box, you know, four plus. There you go. Or three plus. You know, he's he's a boy. You can buy him a stick and he'll have fun. So... You know, it's not really the toy. It's the thought. Buy him some clothes. There's all kinds of things that are appropriate for a four-year-old. The, the point is to spend some time thinking about what he would like or what he needs and doing that. You know, if he's a little, hey, if he's 14, you give him cash, right? So that's an easier, that's, that's, <laughs> that's an easier question. But at four... You buy him a toy, you buy him some clothes. They're not going to know much about it anyway. They're having fun opening the presents. That's the, for them, that's the kind of the fun thing. You know, get them a handful of little toys, small and expensive toys. Cars, boys always love cars. <laughs> you know, four or five things to open, he's happy. Yeah, buy toys. Toy, boys always like cars, action figures. Book, books, board books are good. Uh, the girls like books, boys like toys. I mean, toys, so there you go. Boys need books. They need books, but you know what they do with books? They destroy them, so buy them toys, because that's what they're going to use the book as anyway. <laughs> okay, so what's next? If you're going to buy a you buy a if you for a boy, you buy them a book, not during Christmas as a present. You buy the book, and you read it to them. <laughs> you don't buy them a book for as a present, because they're going to use it as a toy. <laughs> Okay, most boys. Trust me, I raised enough for. All right. My six-year-old is asking Santa for a gift which is out of our budget. What do I tell him? Well, tell him he can ask for Santa for anything he wants. You don't tell him anything. You know, Santa doesn't always give you what he wants, what you want. He gives you what you need. So you don't actually have to tell him anything. It's not your job to tell him anything. I asked for a pony for like 10 years in a row, and then never got it. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. It's okay for him to not get things that he asked for. It's yeah. Yeah, he's asking for something from Santa. You don't have to get it for him. You know, you get him what you can. And they learn. They know. You know, at six, get used to disappointment. Yeah, you don't have to say anything. Hey, it's the life we all have to learn. It's you know, the lessons we all have to learn in life. So, eh, it is what it is. You don't have to answer. You know? Luckily, you're not responsible for what Santa doesn't do. There you go. <laughs> How's that one? Okay, what's next? My kid leaves his coat at school. How can I help? Now, this is a difficult one because you go to school, it's cold. But you come home in the middle of the day where it's warm, and so he forgets to put his coat back on, which is only a problem the next morning. <laughs> um, what do you do to help? That's a good question. I don't know because we never figured out an answer to either. It just kind of worked itself out over time. I guess he was cold enough mornings where he stopped forgetting his coat. It worked itself out over time. Donna, we never solved that one. So I can't, don't have anything to do. 
<laughs> I had that problem. Never solved it. <laughs> buy cheap coats. <laughs> There's you, a, you just, you know, buy like three or four. Yeah, buy cheap coats and yeah, bring them home once a week. I don't know. Yeah, cause I never solved that one. So yeah, good luck. That's I don't I have no successful uh, advice. Check to get. lost and found at school once a week. Write his name in the coat yeah write his names in the coats that's the good one write his names and, and so he's just going to be forgetting things until he gets mature yeah sorry yeah it's just gonna it'll eventually work itself out he'll get it cold will enough, he'll get cold enough times where he'll start remembering his coat but i have nothing <laughs> sorry sorry all right all right <laughs> okay we're gonna move on to some more questions what do we got why does every anyone ever come in on their day off? Okay, this this gentleman takes particular delight in seeing that text from work that says, "Can you come in?" Uh-huh. Because he thrills to tell them no. Okay. Yeah. So he wants to know why would anyone ever do that? Why would anyone ever come in on their day off? Well, because they want this thing called money. <laughs> <laughs> or they want this thing called a promotion, which is future money. Or sometimes you want both. So, yeah, that's how you do that. When you, by being there when people need you. And then you can build that thing we were talking about earlier, networking. You know, you get to network with the people who need help when they need help. Now you become known as the person people can go to for help. You're the problem solver. You're reliable. Guess who's getting the raise? The person who's reliable or the person who says no? It's the same. When it comes time for layoffs, you're sticking around. Person who reliable or the person who says no. That doesn't mean you sacrifice your personal time. You've got something scheduled. Look, I've got other things scheduled. I'm not, you know, that's fine. Or as we used to say in the in the in the assembly line business, uh, routine overtimes is a uh, is either a workflow problem or it's a scheduling problem. Right? It means you either get weird workflows. Right? You, you can't. You need to, you know, figure, manage your workflow better, or you're not scheduling properly. Mm. Now, you know, things happen on occasion, and you have to work overtime because you know a machine broke down or, or something like that happens. But you know, routine happens all the time. It's a bit, it's a bigger problem. But you come in because you want this thing called money or future. Any of those things interesting? All right, so what's next? We've also got our next question is, how can a person spend eight hours a day at work and not be lost to the grind? Um. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. All right, how can you spend eight hours? Well, because you're able to separate your... Um, uh, it, it, it wasn't, these aren't very positive comments. It's someone who is concerned about. Um, okay. Well, just, I just asked if there's anything Concerned about something, no. Okay. All right. Can I, how can, the next one. How can a person, person spend eight hours a day at work and not be, not get lost to the grind? You have to make sure you have something for you, a passion, you know, a hobby, and you know, art, expressing yourself, something other than work. Well, it, it's, or work is your identity, and there's the other way to go. But, but the thing is, is, is to separate, you know, your home life from your work. You know, one of the things I think one of the terrible things we've done is that work from home is terrible because you now don't separate your work from your home life. I think it's actually worse for you because you, you can't leave your work at the office because your work, your office is at home. 
So I think one of the, the benefits of working in an office is you can physically live, work in the office. And so, you know, that'd be my suggestion is, you know, is you physically leave your work at the office. You don't take it home with you, either mentally or physically. You know, it's just work. And unless you're working in something that is meaningful to you, and that's the other side of it, is to work in something that gives you meaning, something that feeds you energy, that feeds you, that you know, energizes you. And if you have that, then, you know, work is part of your identity. It makes you part of who you are. And that's the other solution, is to do something that means something for you. So, there's that one. Okay. Okay. Coworker seems to like me. How to shut it down? Well, generally, the best way to do it is is to ignore it if it's only seems. You know, don't feed the trolls type of situation. You know, she literally just said good morning to this guy a couple times, and now he's like all over her, and she tries to just. <laughs> Be polite, mm -hmm. but it's not really working. Well, is he just uh, now? Now that she was friendly, he has no one else to be friendly to. He could just be one of those people who doesn't have many people to talk to, and so now he's just talking to her. Or is you know he? Uh, he's talking to her. Or is he Herb Tarlick? And <laughs> you know, is he that kind of a character? So it really kind of depends. No, he's just talking to her. She's young. So it could just be like Les Nesman is just really an annoying person. Can you just get out the room, please? <laughs> 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 or, you know, there's Herb Tarla. Can you just get the hell out the room, please? And, you know, so there's two different ways. And and it's hard to know. If it's a Herb Tarlick type, that one's actually easier to shut down because you can be clear and direct, Right. They're easier to shut down these days than someone who's generally just maybe socially awkward and doesn't know when to shut up. And, you know, but they're otherwise being, up, you know, they're not actually doing anything. They're not really, you know, they're just socially awkward. And now you've got to deal with this socially awkward situation. That one's much difficult, more difficult to deal with. Right, because there's no clear answer to that one because they're not really doing anything wrong. They're just annoying. And there's being annoying isn't there's nothing wrong with being annoying, it's just annoying. And so I I don't know. I mean, you could just be direct still. Say, Hey, I appreciate the fact that you like to talk to me all the time. But you really are preventing me from getting my work done to could you cut it down to a couple minutes? And he'll probably stop talking to you. But my ask is, if you say that, how is that going to make you feel? He sounds like he's lonely. Maybe. Or he's a creep. Yeah, could be right. He could be the creep and treat him like a herb tarlet and tell him to pound sand directly. Or It really depends on if he's being a creep or not. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? 32 hours versus 40 hours, which is better. Okay, this person is working 32 hours at a job, absolutely adores, mm -hmm. and making 64000 a year. Mm -hmm. Now, if he takes a 40-hour a week, mm -hmm. he'll have less time for his passions, but he'll be making 79000 a year. Okay. How bad does he want the money? He doesn't need it. Does, you know, does it come with extra benefits? Is the entire benefits package change? No. No. When you say he doesn't need it, but does he want it? No. <laughs> I mean, of course you don't, but does do you want it? That's the question. It's there's not a the question isn't between thirty and forty. How bad do you want the money? Are you willing to sacrifice the money for the time? It's a money versus time equation. Clear and simple. Right? Now you could maybe you could figure out work ten hours a day, four days a week, and you can still have time for your passions and the money if you can work through that. Yeah, but maybe that's not possible. Maybe they need you five days, 
for scheduling issues. Now, the other question is, does it require changing a job you don't like? Moving to a job you may not like is also it's other risk. You know, if you like where you're at, you like what you're doing, you're comfortable there. There's some benefits to that. There's some dangers to that about you not growing and evolving as a human being. You know, not getting a chance to stretch your wings, becoming stagnant in your career. So, you know, these are all factors that you're going to have to consider. And so, you know, but the base question, how bad do you want the money? Or how bad do you want the potential career advancement? Mm. You know, and if you if it's not what you're looking for right now, then stick with where you're at. If you, you know, if you're looking for more in, now or in the future, then you go for the more. Okay. All right. We got like five minutes. So let's go through these real quick. Okay. Sex questions. Do you guys have sex bets? Okay, they play board games and stuff, and the loser doesn't get to have an orgasm. The other person does. Well, it's all about them. Well, yeah. Okay, but it's a fun little game you play. Don't worry about it, man. Yeah, don't worry about what. As long as everybody's here's the thing. As long as everybody's consenting, everything's fine. You know. I mean, does it happen? Sure. Does it happen a lot? Probably not as much as we think it might. No, not really. At least not outside of a relationship. And in, inside a relationship, those kind of things, you know, how serious are they? If you want to back out, you just back out. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no real consequences. It's a healthy relationship. So it's just a way to add some fun. So, yes. Sometimes, I mean, that's specifically no, but that's because we're old. So <laughs> there's a difference. Okay. How many people don't know you're supposed to pinch the tip of a condom when you put it on? That was our public service announcement for the week, by the way. People who don't read the instructions. That's how many people don't, you know, don't know. It's right in the instructions. You're supposed to practice with the banana first. Yeah. Get used to doing that. Rolling one on. Yeah. I always thought that was a thoughtful thing to do, you know? Because it's so awkward. You're all into it, and then you got to go, hold on, hold on, time out, time out. Got to put the condom on, you know? Yeah. But if you're good, you can make a part of your repertoire and make it fun, kind of sexy. Well, I could, but that would require experience, and that's this whole other issue. <laughs> well, you know, go into it with some intent, and you'll be all right. Yeah, it's all fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. What to do after giving a oral job? Uh, um, well, it depends on circumstances. Well, she doesn't know what to do. She just keeps going. and Well, that's... That's going to feel weird. And he's freaking out. Well, yeah, because that, that's overstimulation. So that's time to stop at when it's time to stop. <laughs> she doesn't know what to do then. There's nothing to do. You can relax. Yeah. Take, a, take a break. You've, you've done some work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to be relaxed for a few minutes. So that's your opportunity to cuddle. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's your opportunity to cuddle. There you go. There's our solution to that one. <laughs> Unless it's a quickie and you guys got to run, and that's its own thing. But you knew that one going in. So, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. Reasons to sneak off and have sex with boyfriend during the holidays. Uh, reasons to give. So, what you've got to tell your family or whatever. It's, reasons it's, to give. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's stuff to tell your family. And so what you're gonna run to what you're gonna run to Walmart and then go bop in the car? How old are these people? Oh my god, they're in their twenties. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what it's like to be young. Uh, anything. No one cares. So just you know, you're going shopping. There you go. That's the easy one. Just make sure you come home with something. Are you gonna go look at lights? 
Ooh, at night. That's a good one. Go and go look at lights. <laughs> you can do that every night. <laughs> if you need to, I suppose, if you've got the need. But I guess. I don't know. You'll think of something. Just don't make it too wild because then, then you're going to know. Just make it something that you would normally do. Don't think too hard on it. Because then, yeah. We're going to go on a safari and. <laughs> 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 yeah, you tell me you're going to go to a movie, but then you're going to have to be gone for two and a half hours. And then you're going to have to, you know, have gone and seen a movie you've already seen so you can tell them about it. So keep it simple. Go visit the Christmas lights or shopping. Out to eat and then just go fast food, you know. Yeah, and if they ask you where you've gone, you just tell them where you've gone, somewhere you've already gone, so you can just repeat the last time you were there anyway. You know, anyway, if you feel the need. Keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. And, you know, try and hide the smile when you get back. That's the biggest trick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out of here. It's been a night for us. Um, have a joyous Kwanzaa. Um, if you want to... St- you want to talk to us, you can send us love letters at love at late night love.us. And uh, please remember to love everybody and good night. Good night.